welcome to a preliminary discussion of what will soon become the podcast Watching Movies at the Bar. I'm Bethy Squires. And I'm Thomas Grabinski. And we are friends in real life, back when people had friends. Yeah, this uh, this is going to be a visceral podcast, I think. It's going to be as if you were sitting between Bethy and myself at a bar like 4100 or HMS Bounty. If you're not from LA, whatever your reference for a dive is, and we're all talking about movies. Yeah, this is a podcast about uh, movies that are good to watch at a bar or movies that were filmed at bars that Thomas and I have been to or uh, movies that you get really hyped about after like two drinks and it's all you want to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, that one's kind of a nebulous distinction because it's one of two things. It's either a movie you like love without qualification and it just comes out when you're a little bit loose or it's a movie that you're embarrassed to to really like. Um, And it comes out uninhibited when you've had a couple drinks. Yeah, or like a movie that has like one little thing about it that really confuses you that you just need to unpack every chance you get because you like you think that once you solve this movie like the rest of your life will be fixed (laughs) it won't but you think that once i get to the bottom of blank then finally i will know peace yeah so we're gonna we're gonna prep you for that come down you're gonna have moments of clarity you're gonna have breakthroughs in your life and then when the podcast ends you're going to be right back to square one. <laughs> yeah, you will gain no closure from our show, <laughs> and that's a guarantee. We, we, we call this temporary relief. <laughs> um, I wanted to do a podcast with you, Thomas, because we have really uh, different approaches to watching movies, consuming media. Yeah, I think I that's probably say. true. Yeah. Uh, you like to watch everything you're one of the people who likes to like really be conversant with the movies that have recently come out and like uh discuss them be like a a cineast or a cinephile perhaps yeah i would uh, the only caveat i would issue there is i would say everything that to me seems worthwhile or like kind of interesting there's a lot of stuff that i think is like vanilla yogurt and that's not really interesting to me but uh I don't plan to talk a lot of shit on this podcast. No, I don't plan to either. I don't think that's particularly useful. I may say some shitty things. <laughs> As one does when watching movies at a bar. I'm like a, a mean person. So that's going to come through, but it's not my intention. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think I am a person who endeavors to be kind, but uh, I, I also have a deep-seated inclination to be negative so i'm gonna to try to sidestep <laughs> that i really because here's the thing I, I i get very enthusiastic about films and there's so much shit that i love that it's not a great use of of my or your time uh for me to talk about the stuff i think sucks but i think i think we may get into it when one of us really likes something that the other one doesn't yeah and i think that it does happen for sure because my taste in movies is complicated. <laughs> uh, uh, something, one of the things I said to Thomas like before I really knew him was that I think that film is inherently a flawed genre. Like it's the wrong <laughs> amount of time for a story to be. And I stand by that. 
I do think that that movie length is the wrong length for a story to be because it's like a little bit too long for you to fully engage, but it's a little bit too short to have like complete character engagement. So it's like, and I'm not saying, and I'm obviously I'm not saying that I hate all movies. I think that there's a lot of good movies, but in some ways I think it's despite the fact that they are movies, not because they are <laughs> movies. This is such a funny primer for a movie podcast, but I guess it's about <laughs> it, it. This, this, this podcast is not going to be promotion oriented, right? We're, we're going to do very little of interviewing people to promote their new thing. It's really going to be just sort of talking very casually about things that, engage us and so yeah that's that's your approach whereas i am constantly looking for ways to surrender hours of my life to something that lives entirely uh, outside of me so like i watched uh, all of the snyder cut (laughs) uh last week which is i think just north of four hours of Mm -hmm. quote unquote movie which is shorter than andy warhol's first movie so i'm just putting that out there yeah yeah people are acting like it's completely impossible to do the snyder cut but sleep is five hours and he wanted it to be eight but he fucked up so much that there wasn't eight hours of usable film yeah bethy and i like to think of Zack snyder as kind of the new warhol which is another thing that we bonded over uh early on in our friendship and and that i think is one of the shared opinions that really catalyzed this podcast yeah the way that uh in the dawn of the dead remake uh (laughs) zack snyder cuts uh that guy from modern family fucking a lady from behind to richard cheese's down with a sickness i think is really a continuation of what andy warhol was doing with my hustler yeah i actually uh have no recollection of that happening in that movie. I don't think I've seen Zack Snyder's oh, Dawn of the Dead. That's all I think about. <laughs> I think that's the one that people say is kind of his like best movie, but I, I haven't seen it since I watched it on DVD in like 2008, if that sounds I right. I own it. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That's cool. I haven't watched it probably since 2008 either, but I bought it when... Uh, well, you know, you're in college before Netflix is a streaming service <laughs> and before uh, your dorms even have wireless Internet. And so <laughs> one way that you can have social capital is to be the one with DVDs. So you just amass a huge DVD loaning library, essentially, for the rest of your college. Yeah, I think I think you and I were actually just either side of the advent of uh, a dorm Wi-Fi, but... Um, I, yeah, had a giant tub of Blu-rays that I was so stoked about, and now I still have all of them, but they live under a a bed at my home. (laughs) Yeah, mine are on a shelf just collecting dust, and it's embarrassing, especially because it's like, it's all the movies that I bought in college. So I'm looking at it right now. What do we got here? Uh, Orange County. Good movie. Silent Hill. Not another teen movie. Mm, Tomb Raider, the Angelina Jolie one. Wow. The Comedians of Comedy, Brick, The Dreamers. <laughs> this is quite the spread. And they're all eminently discussable movies. I think they all kind <laughs> of fit the MO of this podcast. Yeah, this is getting to I was what I was trying to say about the way that I watch movies is uh because I try to write or like make art or whatever. I often think of uh, my media consumption as like ingesting new things that I'm going to digest and then like barf back out into the world. Right. 
So I'm like weirdly picky about what I watch because I think it will wind up being reflected in what I write. And also because I'm a sensitive little bitch baby (laughs) uh, who cries constantly. So I have to be like way too careful with what I watch to just keep my brain on an even keel. Um, But then it also means that the movies that I do like are often not uh good <laughs> not <laughs> the kind of movies that people would call a good movie per se like uh if there's a movie that's like there's just something a little bit off about it that's my entire shit like uh a couple days ago i watched a uh, shiver of the vampire which is one of jean Rollin's uh 70s vampire sexploitation movies. Oh shit, I haven't seen that, but it sounds great. Oh, nothing happens. It's incredible. <laughs> There's so many so many long, long, long tracking shots of women in like uh essentially wearing like gauzy curtains that kind of cover up their bodies, but you can still see their weird 70s nipples through the fabric, carrying candelabras and walking through like an abandoned castle. And and then and then nothing happens after that. This sounds <laughs> like, not unlike the work of uh, Mr. Zack Snyder in a, a film like uh, Sucker Punch or uh, 300. Um, I really want to spoil for you the two things that do happen that really rocked my socks. Uh, but we're going to wait because I think I'm going to make you... We're going to talk about this movie. This is going to be an ep because it would be a perfect This is a preview of a movie. proper episode. Yeah. Let's segue, though, into the idea of what makes a good movie to watch at a bar because you and I both love going to a bar and watching a movie that like happens to be playing like a bar that plays movies instead of sports is the right bar to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that as a rule films made before the year 2000 tend to be, uh, better bar movies than ones made after. I think there is, uh, uh, an indulgence and a visual quality to, you know, the era of films where studios were putting a little more money into things outside of the obvious, like IP tent poles. Um, so that tends to be the stuff that I like to watch at a bar. Stuff that really works visually without the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think foreign movies also work well because there's already subtitles. Right. So that helps. Uh, yeah. Big visuals. Uh, I think, having like not the most plot intensive movie helps because you don't want something that you actually have to like completely pay attention to. Uh, You want something that will be visually engrossing when you're paying attention to it, but not so demanding as to make you like be weird at the bar (laughs) and be like, I'm watching. Yeah, totally. I think it, it, it meets similar criteria to the kind of films that were you at home with your parents flipping through cable. Uh, it's the kind of thing that you would stop and watch something that works in kind of discrete units where you don't have to watch the whole thing. Yeah. And, and also something that is uh, at least somewhat chill for public consumption. Like I have a little <laughs> bit more room in, in my heart for a movie on the bar that's got titties but, like, you don't want graphic depictions of sexual assault or people's heads exploding because this is a public venue where people can't necessarily choose what they're watching. So you don't want to subject them to, like, funny games. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, although I'd love to watch funny games at a bar. Funny games is a movie I would talk about after two beers, for sure. <laughs> Which one? I actually haven't seen uh, Haneke's own remake. I haven't seen the Naomi Watts version. Um, I hear they're both good, though. Isn't it weird that Naomi Watts was in 
to well-received kind of like prestige remakes because she was in the ring as well yeah um that yeah that is interesting i think she's really great in the yeah. ring i love naomi watts i wish she was in more movies yeah she's amazing i love her i love the majority of australian women who look like dolphins they're all they're all my children <laughs> What's what's the list of Australian women who look like dolphins? Uh, Naomi Watts, Toni Collette, uh, Anna Torv, who is the lead of Fringe, the TV show Fringe. Right. Uh, I don't think... Nicole Kidman does not look like a dolphin. Nicole Kidman, according to Steph, looks like your cat, Apple. Interesting. I would say... All right, Steph. I, 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 that's like a one-way street for me. I think Apple kind of looks like Nicole Kidman. I don't know that Nicole Kidman <laughs> looks like Apple, if that if that makes sense. I still think that your, your cat, Apple, looks like Princess Diana. That's why I always am calling her the People's Princess. In almost every photo, I just comment that she is the People's Princess. <laughs> We're going to include uh, Apple's space in the corner of whatever our key art is just so everyone can decide what uh what what I- iconic figure she looks like but yeah no, nicole kidman i'm kind of obsessed with because i've recently watched both the jonathan glazer film birth which is unbelievable do, do you know what birth That's is the, the reincarnation one yeah 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 where she has this very strange relationship with a a, a boy child um so Birth kind of blew my mind, but I also watched Malice recently, which is this Harold Becker movie. Have you seen Malice? Mm-mm. Malice fucking blew my mind. Malice is like, I don't know that it's a good movie to watch at the bar, but it's a movie that you and I would not stop talking about at a bar. It is written by both Aaron Sorkin and um, Scott Frank. Okay. <laughs> and it came out in the 90s, and it's a really bizarre erotic thriller with Alec Baldwin, Bill Pullman, and... Um, Nicole Kidman in a love triangle, but it is like the most deranged, convoluted Book of Henry level swing. But whereas the Book of Henry does not work, Malice fully fucking works. I'm I'm still kind of losing my mind about a love triangle between 90s Alec Baldwin and 90s Bill Pullman because that's when they were their most identical. Yeah. That's fucked up. That That is interesting. Yeah, no, they do look a lot alike, actually. They both look like the brawny towel guy, but a little bit more clean shaven. I think you could argue that that's like, that similarity is part of the like psychosexual fabric of the movie, but uh, I that. let's let's make Malice an episode because I think it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> I I don't even know that you'll like it, but there's never been a movie with more for Bethy and Thomas to talk about. <laughs> That's not true because there's also another movie that I a uh, little sneak peek that I insist we do is Breaking Dawn Part Two, the final con- the right. final movie of the Twilight Saga. I'm really excited to to watch Breaking Dawn Part Two. We don't have to get super into it, but I understand there's a sequence that made fans weep in theaters, um, and and that goes a long way for me. Oh yeah, uh, people cried, and then when it was over, people. You can't like uncry. They didn't like suck their tears back in, but they were so confused <laughs> that it it like. When I was a a daycare worker, sometimes if a kid was, like, fussing and, like, crying for, like, no particular reason, what I would do is just blow air in their face, and they would, like, to a baby, and they just get so (laughs) confused by that that they forget that they were crying. (laughs) 
That's funny. And I think that Breaking Dawn Part 2 does that to the movie, to the audience. Yeah, so this this podcast is not just about having a, a couple of drinks and talking about movies. You're also going to be getting child rearing tips <laughs> uh, in every episode. So you'll be, you'll be uh, ready to have a kid by the time this is done. Yeah, if I can't make you into a mother by the end of this podcast, then I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, at least I'll get you to watch Mother, I guess. Oh, yeah. I like, I like Mother. I don't like... Maybe this is going to get me in trouble early on. I have a really hard time with movies that prominently feature babies. Mm. I just can't do the crying. There's just like something about the movie that feels so saddled by the the responsibility of of, of the child. But there are exceptions to the rule. That's interesting. I, sometimes I worry about yeah a movie where a, a child a pre-verbal child is at like cries in it because i wonder how they got that performance out of the baby oh no yeah i didn't even think about that but then there's also other problems of like really bad fake babies like in american sniper or in twilight breaking <laughs> dawn part two <laughs> yeah fake babies are going to be another cornerstone of this podcast but i think my favorite baby movie is uh, a great John Hughes script. It's uh, Baby's Day Out. I haven't seen Baby's Day Out since summer camp, but I would I would rewatch. I'm curious. Yeah, I haven't seen Baby's Day Out, I think, since I was a kid either, but it was such a fixture of my childhood film viewing, and that baby really bucks the trend. Bink doesn't cry. He just fucks around. He makes friends with a gorilla. He uh, makes Joe Pantoliano hit his balls really hard um, on a big iron girder, so there's... There's a lot to love in that movie. Ooh, can we do just like a full mini series about Joey Pants? Yeah, I would love that. I love him so much. I think that is also something that I want to just like have the option of doing is like looking at not exactly filmographies, but like selections from people, not necessarily directors. It could be actors. It could be honestly casting directors or music supervisors. I'd love to look at like a body of work by somebody who doesn't usually get thought of as like an auteur yeah i like that a lot or like uh an executive like john peters or uh jeffrey katzenberg are two people that i'm like obsessed with yeah no that i think that's a really cool idea i also like i come from the development world so i work in film and i see this process and i have not worked for an iconic executive but it's really unique to think about the work that those people do as a larger body because they tend to have a curatorial taste yeah i love that idea i'm gonna tell my favorite story from the book disney war which is about michael eisner's rise and fall at disney Michael Eisner had this friend who he worked with at Paramount and he brought over to Disney. He had like this guy had like a bungalow at Disney and like uh, like produced a bunch of movies with the company. Uh, I don't remember which ones now. It's not really important, but like they were really close for business reasons and became close personal reasons. Like their wives became friends, their kids were around the same age, so they became friends and their kids even wound up going to the same summer camp. This is important. Right, that rocks. Is, the summer camp part is important because this guy made one movie outside of the Disney Touchstone family of products and Michael Eisner was like, friendship dead, I hate you, get your shit out of your bungalow and get out. He was like, we're never talking, it's on site, I fucking hate you. But their kids still went to the same summer camp. So on Parents' Day, uh, Michael Eisner is, like, hanging out with his kids. And he sees this guy, uh, like, I don't know, 20 feet away. Michael Eisner is on this pier. He's, like, 
waiting for his kid to come back from a canoe situation. He sees this guy. And rather than even risk having to briefly say hi to this man for five minutes, he walks off the dock into the water, <laughs> fully, fully clothed. Zach Orth in What Hot American Summer style, he just walks off a pier rather than talk to this guy. So I want to look at movie. I want to look at the movies of like Michael Eisner with that story in mind. It's like who makes what movies does that guy make? You know? Yeah, I want to look at movies that cause producers to have a Kate Chopin style awakenings. <laughs> uh... Just walk into the sea. <laughs> He never came back. That was the end of his career and uh, also his life. Yeah, he floated away. <laughs> Jeff Buckley style. Jeff Buckley style. Oh, no. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Mr. Buckley. Oh, boy. I'm also excited to look at movies that were filmed at bars that we like because that's one of the main, to me, one of the main perks of living in L.A. is going to places and being like, I remember this from... New Girl or Chinatown or whatever. I love that shit. I, you, you and I both love The Prince, and The Prince shows up all the time. The Prince shows up in New Girl and Chinatown and Mad Men. I've never, I've still never seen L.A. Confidential, and I'm curious about oh, that. Oh shit! I know they shoot in Formosa, so I'm, I would like to watch that. There's a scene in Hail Caesar that's shot in Rest in Peace Good Luck Bar. Oof. I love Hail Caesar. That movie is weird. I love Hail Caesar, too. I feel like that is kind of like an unsung Coen's classic. For one reason or another, it sort of flew under the radar. But when that submarine came out, I was so, so on board. Yeah. I don't get... I love the movie. I do not understand what they were going for at all with that movie. <laughs> and yeah, I, I can't wait to unpack it. It's big carnivalesque thing. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that, that to me is like the perfect companion to Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It's like very much in that mode, which is another one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. So I would love to talk about both of those. That's Colin, my husband's favorite Coen Brothers movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, like to the point where he quotes it a lot. But well, he really only quotes the part where the little kid goes, he's bonafide. He'll just say that to me. <laughs> I'm going to R-U-N-N-O-F-T. Yeah. That movie's so fucking good. So, so Bethy and I are recording this preview episode right now uh, between 2 and 3 p.m. Pacific time. So we are actually stone cold sober in the, uh, in the, in the bright light of day. But you're, you're not going to believe what we sound like when we've had one beer. <laughs> it's going to be nuts. People are going to lose their minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Bold of you to assume that I haven't had one drink during the daytime. I don't have a that job. That is true. It's a presumptive leap. And, and Bethy and I are um, adhering to all CDC recommendations uh, in this pandemic world. So we're actually in, in our respective apartments right now. Mm-hmm. We're in our own little homes. We're following the CDC guidelines. Of you're not allowed to have a drink on a podcast unless the podcast tapes (laughs) in darkness you have to do at least two podcasts a day that's why i have another one after this uh and you know no glove no love that's what the cdc says yeah i'm learning a lot actually (laughs) uh, about the cdc right now but i no, i'm 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 really excited to do this podcast it's gonna be a lot of bethy and i just talking about movies but we also plan to bring on friends and and filmmakers and get them in on the conversation and it's all just gonna be shit that we think rocks what i'm excited about for this podcast is that it is not dictated by 
the the only thing dictating what movie we we are covering is our enthusiasm for that movie. If we're not hyped, we're not getting involved. Absolutely. I also plan to uh, be responsible. <laughs> it's the people's princess. <laughs> my cat Apple is currently sniffing my microphone. This is this is really cute. Um, I would like to. Hi, Apple. Um, I would like to single-handedly rehabilitate the reputation of Ryan Gosling's Lost River. Um, If there is one mission that I have going into this podcast, it is to spark a reappraisal of Ryan Gosling's Lost River, which is a movie I love. And that's that's the kind of thing we're going to talk about. I think, Bethy, you will also probably want me to watch things that are not well-regarded but that you think are misunderstood. Oh, I don't know if this is misunderstood, but I really want to watch Son of Drac, which is a Harry <laughs> Nelson's movie where he plays the son of Dracula and uh, Ringo Starr plays the wizard. I did not know this exists, <laughs> but as a big fan of uh, Harry Nelson, I would love to watch that. Oh, uh, this, is, this is probably getting too off topic, but something that bummed me out really hard last summer is I was listening to Nilsson Schmilson yeah. on Spotify and the first song now has a parenthetical edition, which says, as heard on Netflix's Russian Doll, which just feels so disrespectful. And, and I like that show a lot, but come on, put some respect on Nilsson's name. I thought it was really weird. I saw that too, and it did bug me a little bit, but I also understood because if it gets people to actually, at least they didn't change the cover art to be yeah. of like Natasha Leone, which they do sometimes with, with, they'll just like change the cover art of an album on Spotify to be that. But if it gets people into the Nilsson catalog and get them to actually listen to Schmilson, then, then I'm down. More, more Harry Nilsson movies I'm interested in partaking of is the doc about him, which I've seen twice and makes me cry every time. And uh, his weird uh, animated movie for kids, The Point. I've never seen it, but I want to. I, I haven't even heard of that, so I'm 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 ready to jump in. It's cool. I've seen clips because there are clips in the doc, but it's about a world where everybody has a point. Like everybody has like a pointy head, and there's one character who is pointless, and everyone's like, "You don't deserve to exist because you don't have a point." And he's like, "Nah." And then they sing Me and My Arrow. You know, it's good shit. I love that. I, uh, yeah, I'm actually reading reading a book about the value of uh, being pointless right now by Jenny O'Dell that I'm quite excited about. So maybe we'll fold that in. But I don't know. Doing a podcast, that's pretty productive. But we promised absolutely no closure on this podcast. No emotional follow through nothing good will ever come of this podcast besides that you'll be ready for motherhood that's the only thing this is yeah this is a temporary respite from the world outside it's a cold cold dark place but for your commute home from work we're perfect yeah this is what you'll do instead of stopping in for a post-work drink because you're going keto now and you can't afford the carbs although it would rock hard if uh, one of our two listeners were to wear headphones uh, at a bar and just soak this thing up while having a drink themselves. Yeah. I, in a world where, you know, we can go to bars. Uh, yeah, I think that it'd be a really good idea for people to sit, to post up at a bar with headphones and listen to our podcast and laugh really loudly and not talk to people or answer the question, hey, what are you listening to? 
then people are like, what is this guy doing? Yeah, if 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 Hyperion Public were open right now, I would probably be sitting there listening to a podcast, laughing and nursing a beer alone. So uh, if you if you do this, you are you are a kindred spirit. Let's end the podcast, perhaps every episode by shouting out a bar that we miss. I'm going to shout out the Lost Bar, which is sometimes called Atlantis the Lost Bar in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That was really close to my house when I lived in Philly, and they played movies all day. I first saw Hacks on there. Oh. It was cool. That rocks. I miss the Lost Bar. Um, Yeah. You know what? I miss Crawford's real bad on Beverly. Love going to Crawford's, having fried chicken watching whatever the fuck is on the TV and then walking down the street to see some music at the bootleg. So Crawford's, shout out. I do feel like Crawford's usually had hockey on, even during times when hockey was not in season. Yeah. It was like Crawford's existed in some sort of pocket dimension where it's always hockey season, and God bless them for that. Yeah, they got Joker-fied by the <laughs> NHL. <laughs> we live in a hockey society. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's our sign off. <laughs> it's just me, me coughing, having a coughing fit into the microphone. <laughs> now we'll probably come up with some sort of sign off besides coughing directly into a mic or making a "we live in a society" joke. I don't know what it is, but we'll we'll figure it we'll out. Record it and tack it on later, or not, because you're not my fucking dad. That's true. Audience, you're not the boss. That's of me, true, and you're not so big. Yeah, if you're listening to this, shut up. And as always, leave me the fuck alone. Amen. Watching Movies at the Bar is edited by Colin Jenkins with show art by Lindsay Farrell. And that theme you hear at the top, that's Quentin Mulligan. <laughs> <laughs>